All right, 1 Kings chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible or an outline, they are on the back table. Those will be very helpful for you to follow along. And let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. Lord, as we go to your word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Experience is, the, is a great teacher, but Lord, it's not always our experience. We're going to learn from some people tonight in the text on what not to do. And Lord, how we can live a holy and set apart life unto you, but not by following their example, but following the example of your son. So I'd be our teacher tonight, I pray. I thank you for everyone who's here. If anybody's here for their first time, I pray they would feel welcomed and loved and they would know that they're a part of the family. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, First Kings, as we've been talking about the last several weeks, you know that Children of Israel, after, after the time of Solomon, and you know Solomon multiplied the things he wasn't supposed to. We've talked about this. He was the king of Israel. He was referred to as the wisest man who's ever lived. But he was wise when it came to counseling others, but he was not wise when it came to his own life. And we saw that there were three things that kings were not to multiply. The word of God said, don't multiply chariots, don't multiply money, and don't multiply wives. And he did all three. And in the end, uh, he said that if you marry a foreign woman, that she will draw you away to worship the false gods that she worships. And we know that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So he had a thousand women, most of whom were drawing him away toward other gods. And sure enough, the same man that built the temple ends up building altars to all these false gods where you could see them from the temple. And because of that, God brought judgment. And said so that Solomon's descendants would, would not reign anymore on the throne, uh, that there would, be, there would be difficulty, that the land would be divided up. And so he was able to hold on to one portion for the sake of King David, and that's Judah. So just remember this as we read through this and this portion of the Old Testament going forward. Israel is the 10 northern tribes and Judah is the two southern tribes. In Judah is where we have uh, Jerusalem, right? And to the north, we're going to see that there's about 20 kings in the north, and they're all evil, every one of them. And in the south, they have good and evil kings mixed together. And if you were here last week, we saw King Asa, who praised God that he came into with ungodly parents, an ungodly dad, an ungodly grandfather, and he tore down all the idols. You remember, he burned his grandmother's own idol, and he kicked her out of office. You guys remember that if you're here last week? He kicked her out, said, yeah, you're not serving anymore. You're worshiping false gods. And he took her false god, and he set it on fire. And that's what you know what that means. We got to serve God more than we serve grandma. Can I get an amen to that? We put God before we put the, the world. And so we talked about the choices we make matter last week, and not to follow in the footsteps of ungodly examples, to stake a stand for what is right, that we need to constantly be desperate for the Lord and think that uh, God's righteous judgment will never come as a reason why people fall away. So now as we come to tonight's text, we continue to see more kings. We're going to go back, back from Judah, back up to Israel, and we're going to see some more evil kings. And we talked about Asa. He ruled for 40 years. During the time that Asa ruled for 40 years, there are at least six kings in the north and they're all evil. You know, when someone honors God, the blessing lasts. Amen. And when someone dishonors God, the rebellion and the consequences are quick. So grab your outline if you've got it. Tell the message, pride goes before destruction. I couldn't think of what else to, to, to describe this chapter because it's just disaster after disaster after disaster. And each evil king is only topped by the person that takes his place and they're even more evil. And we're going to talk about that tonight, that look, righteousness exalts a nation. Well, what it says, what does it say? But sin is a reproach 
to all men. And when a nation starts falling away from God, unless there is repentance, it's only going to get worse and worse and worse till eventually the righteous judgment of God may remove that nation off the face of the earth. And that's a warning for our country. Can I get an amen to that? The further away we get from the Lord, we, we want to sing God bless America, but we don't bless God. We want God to honor our disobedient behavior. And that's why I'm thankful for salt and light. I just found out today that my old youth pastor from up north is moving to Texas. Can some of the Christians stay here? Can we get a few of you guys to hang out? There's no bigger mission. If you want to go to the, you want, we want to go all around the world. I'm telling you, California is about as bad as it gets. Can I get an amen? And we need some Christians to stay here. There's cheaper housing. It's the Bible Belt and other places. But you know what? Heaven's better. And until then, let's finish strong here. Can I get an amen? So the four, the four points we're going to look at, where your treasures there, your heart will be also. I also did was how I uh, titled it. Be careful whose example you choose to follow. You're going to become like who you follow. You're going to become like those you hang out with. You're going to become like those who you look up to. And we're going to see that one evil king brings about another evil king, which brings about another evil king. And the sad part is that these kings see that the king before them is righteously judged by God. They see the behavior that they have, and then they see them brought down, and then they go in and do the exact same thing. And the sad thing is in the world sometimes we look at the sin of others and we recognize the righteous judgment of God or the consequences of their sin. And instead of learning from it, often we just do the same thing, thinking somehow, well, he got caught, I won't, or his sin was worse. You know, it's amazing how we can recognize sin in everyone else's life. Amen. And sometimes we struggle recognizing it in our own, the way of the world or the way of the Lord, choose whom you will follow. Number two, be not drunk with wine. It's uh, where'd that come from? We're going to see that in tonight's text because guess what? One of the kings is liquored up. He's just—he's a drunkard. He's supposed to be the guy ruling the nation, and he's a drunkard. And guess what? He's going to get killed. And what what happens, guys? We need to be sober-minded. Can I get an amen? We're not to be led by the by spirits, but the spirit. Amen. We're to be sober-minded, clear of mind. Amen. So we need to not fall into that trap of be not drunk with wine. Number three, God doesn't care about how much you accomplish in the eyes of the world. Let me say that one more time. God does not care about how much you accomplish in the eyes of the world. The world cares. The world will praise you. And you know what? You can get so caught up in the praises of men that you miss out being used for the kingdom of God in eternity. Amen. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last and nothing else is going to matter. Now, that being said, be the best worker in the building. You be the best husband, best wife, best parents. Be the best neighbors. We're to represent Christ well. Amen? But the praise of men means nothing. To God alone be all the glory. We want to hear those seven words. Don't we want to hear them? What are they? Well, done thou good and faithful servant. Amen? And in the way that we appear in front of the world, how much we accomplish in the eyes of the world means nothing, but how faithful you are to him and his calling upon your life. How faithful are you being to the calling on your life? I want you to think about that just for a second. How, how faithful are you? What are the gifts you have and are you using them? Are you closer to God today than you've ever been in your life? And if you're not, why not? If you're not as close to God as you used to be, whose fault is that? Amen. Whose fault is that? It's our fault. Can I get an amen? If you're not as close to God as you used to be, who moved, right? God doesn't move away. We do. 
He desires that we walk in intimate fellowship with him. That's my prayer every day. Lord, I want to be closer to you today than I've ever been in my life. And guys, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you're not going to be close to God if you don't spend time with God. If you don't spend time in fellowship, if you don't spend time using your gifts. It breaks my heart to see people who were once really involved in being used by the Lord and they're kind of on the sidelines now and they let the things of the world get them sidetracked. Guys, it's not too late. Get right back with the Lord. Can I get an amen? You take 100 steps away from God, it's one step back. And then finally, evil behavior left unchecked only grows worse over time. If you ignore evil behavior, it's not going to get better on its own. Amen. If we don't take the time to address it in the lives of our kids or address it in our own life or address it in the lives of people that we know and love, you know, you've heard me say it, Christians don't stab each other in the back, they stab each other in the front. Can I get an amen? You approach your brother or your sister who's struggling and you love them enough to say, I see this in your life, let me pray for you. Why are you not, why are you not where you used to be? I can tell your walk with the Lord isn't where it used to be. And I'll ask that question often. People call me, some of you on live stream, some of you on live stream because you need to be and some of you on live stream because you're lazy. Get down to church. Can I get an amen to that? We're here and we're not stopping. Can I get an amen? Some of you have to be home. I get it. Some of you have jobs where you interact with people. I get it. Some of you have conditions. I get it. Please. I, we love you and we're glad you're on live stream. But I want to tell you, it's like watching a fire on a television, right? It's not the same as being in front of a real fire. So we need you down here. Get back in fellowship. Can I get an amen to that? But the point I'm making is this, that when, when uh, uh, you know, evil behavior goes unchecked, if we, don't, if we don't take and examine our own life before the Lord, and if we don't stand for what is right in front of a, an evil and a perverse and a wicked generation, then we shouldn't be surprised when the evil behavior continues. By the way, is our country getting better or worse? Are we getting closer to the Lord or further away from the Lord? Aren't you, aren't you blown away when someone mentions Jesus on TV now? You're blown away. And then you, I, you know, I'm, I'm old school. I like watching old TV shows. I watch stuff from the fifties and sixties because they still talk about the Lord and nobody's sleeping around and there's no cursing. And it's just, it's like, wow, that was our country 50 years ago. Things done changed, but guys, it's not too late. Amen. When you get back, people back to the Lord. So let's begin there in verse one. Pride goes before destruction. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Be careful whose example you follow. So the Northern kingdom, it's where we're going to focus in tonight's text, and we're going to see the transition through several different kings. It says there in verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hananiah, against Basha, saying, Inasmuch as I have lifted you out of the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel sin to provoke me to anger with their sins." 1 Kings 15, 27 tells us that Basha was the head of a conspiracy to kill Nadab, the son of Jeroboam. If you guys remember that, if you were here last week, that he, he had a plot and he went in the middle of a battle and he killed the king so he could take his position. And Nadab was an evil king. And you would hope that if he was taking out the evil king, that maybe God had had him do it so because he, he was going to be a righteous king, but that's not what happened. He's worse than the king that he replaced. And here we learn that even though Basha had killed King Nadab purely out of a fleshly desire for power, that it was God who had made him the ruler over Israel. Look at verse 2, and inasmuch as I have lifted you up out of the dust. Do you know that every single 
person in power was placed there by God. Can I get an amen? Now, sometimes they cry out for King Saul and the Lord says, okay, I'm your king. You want him? Okay, here it goes. And he warned him ahead of time. If you cry out for this guy, he's going to enslave you. You know what? Over time, he's going to bring you into battles and wars and you're going to have death among you and he's going to take you away from me. But if you want that, and they cried out for him all the more. And so sometimes we get what we ask for. Amen. And guess what? When that happens, God is still in control. God is still faithful. I'm not a super political guy. You guys know that. Uh, Whatever happened with the votes, God knows, God knew that our president was going to be our president. Did he know? What's the answer? He did. Should we pray for our president? What's the answer? Pray for his salvation. Pray for them. You have to pray for people, even the ones you don't like. Can I get an amen? Pray for them. Aren't you glad somebody prayed for you? Amen. And so God is in control. And so even as Basha goes out and he kills the king and he, you know, he's doing it from an evil perspective, two things can be equally true. Someone can do something outside of God's will and God's will can still be done at the same time. Can I get an amen to that? And we're going to see that when we get to verse seven, he's going to condemn what, uh, condemn what Basha did. Basha went and killed the king so he could become king, but God had already said he was going to judge Jeroboam's family. Remember that? He said he was going to kill them all. And so he's being a part of God's ultimate plan, but at the same time, it doesn't excuse his behavior. See, just be, the, the ends do not justify the means. Amen? I've known people that, you know, been in a car accident and got saved. I don't, I don't encourage car accidents. Can I get an amen? I know people that have married an unbeliever. And then over time, God, by his grace, that, that spouse got saved and they're walking with the Lord and God's using them mightily, but that was still the wrong choice. Amen. And God showed grace in the midst of it. And so to hear what Basha did was shameful. It was wrong. It was sinful. It was evil. And God still brought about his ultimate plan, even through an evil man like Basha. Here's the reality. It could be by an evil government. It could be by someone restricting your ability to worship the Lord that's causing the church to wake up. Can I get an amen to that? The pandemic has not changed the church. It's just revealed where we're at. It hasn't changed anything. My faith hasn't changed. I'm the same person. And guys, if you're walking with the Lord, your faith doesn't change. If anything, being challenged makes you want to charge. Can I get an amen? When I'm challenged, it just makes me more excited. Okay, great. Holy Spirit's going to do something great because Satan's resources are limited. And if he's wasting them on me, then God wants to do something amazing. Amen? And so at the same time, God will condemn Basha. We're going to see in just a few verses. But just because, again, God allows ungodly actions or choices to bring about his will does not excuse the ungodly choices. Basha's name means he lays to waste. It tells us too accurately what kind of ruler he proved himself to be. He continues to rule over Israel, just like the evil kings that were before him, only he's worse. And here's the reality, guys. We should not look for the answer in who the next king or the new, next governor or the next president or the next you know, council members. They're not the answer. You know what the answer is? It's the Lord. Amen. And we don't look to the White House. We look to the throne of grace. And God is in control and God is faithful and he's greater than any uh, any foe we will ever face. Notice it says there, it says, you have walked in the way of Jeroboam. Now remember Jeroboam, 
He was the, rule, the first ruler of the north when the kingdoms were split in half. And if you remember, he was the one that created idols and basically his own religion. And what he did is he built altars up in the north and created these golden calves and said, you don't have to go all the way down to Jerusalem to worship. This is closer to your house. You can, you can come whenever you want. They make wor- he made worship easier, but he also made worship uh, ungodly. Amen. And too often we live in a time right now where people are looking to worship the easiest way possible. Got drive-through churches. I saw this online. Drive-through church. It's like three minutes long. I'm like, wow. That I'm sure you got really magnified through that. You know, you, you know, drive-through church. You know, uh, sermonettes for Christianettes. Can I get an amen? And we're and we're living in a time where people try to make. Church is not the priority. Church is the thing they try to fit into what really is their priority. Well, if the pastor goes long, we're going to miss brunch. Well, you're all fat enough. You need more of God's word. Can I get an amen? We got enough food. We need the word of God. And the reality is, but there's so much of that going on in the world. I would love to let you guys just look at my email one week. I'll get 1,500 emails in a week. All of them, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them telling us how we can have a better church. Here's how to grow your church. Here's how to triple the size of your church in three weeks. And it's all this nonsense. We don't want to grow a crowd. We want to make disciples. And the way we make disciples is to teach the whole counsel of God. And that's not always popular. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Basha, you have walked in the way of Jeroboam. Jeroboam was easy believism. He had created his own religion. He was afraid that if his people went down to Jerusalem, they would never come back. There are pastors today that are afraid if, if, if you watch somebody else's live stream or if you go visit another church, you may never come back. Guys, this is not my church. This is the Lord's church. We're all one church and it doesn't matter which boat they get in. Let's just get them to shore. Can I get an Amen. And that should be our heart. But I have so many pa- I have pastors barbecuing. You don't you know, even put that stuff on Facebook and my people are seeing it. I would hope so. Can I get an amen? And if you want to put something on my page, go for it, okay? Amen? But there's this territorial thing and that's exactly what Jeroboam's doing. Hey, I got to keep them here. If they go down to Jerusalem, they're going to remember how amazing Jerusalem is. If they see the temple, they may not be happy with my golden calves. I hope not. Can I get an Amen? And too often we'll, satisfy, we'll, be, we'll settle for something that isn't honoring to the Lord because it's more convenient, because it feeds our flesh better. Basha was a wicked king after the pattern of Jeroboam. He too was an idol worshiper. By the way, what were the first two commandments? No other gods before me and no graven images. And they got idols everywhere. And why is it always golden calves? Dude, Really? Aaron, Aaron, golden calves. Moses up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, golden calves. And they came out of Egypt. You get the people out of Egypt, we couldn't get the Egypt out of the people. And Egypt's a type or a picture of the world. The blood of the lamb and the shape of a cross. The angel of death passed over and they were delivered out of bondage. And we struggle. We're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. When we, when, because of the blood of the lamb, we, we, we leave the world behind, amen? We're new creations in Christ, headed to the land of promise can't wait. He's going to face the same judgment as Jeroboam. And again, what's crazy is Basha was, used, was allowed to be used by God to bring about righteous judgment upon Jeroboam's family. And now God is going to allow another to bring righteous judgment 
upon him. So he saw the pattern of Jeroboam's life. He participated in the consequences by bringing the judgment. And now he's, he's mimicking the exact same behavior. God looks upon the heart and he sees this man not as a king, but he sees him as an assassin because that's what he was. He assassinated another king so he could have a, a position of authority. He was seeking after power. And sadly, many see the sin and its consequences in the lives of others, but some somehow don't believe it will happen to them. They see sin in the lives of others as different than the sin in their own lives. Look at verse three. By the way, it says, you provoke me to anger. You know that God hates sin. He hates it. And we need to hate it. We need not make excuses for it. Can a man hold a fire to his bosom and not be burned? You know, can we live in the world? And, and what happens is we start to make excuses for our sin. We start to, we, we, we give it different words so it doesn't sound as bad. You know, it's not adultery, it's an affair. It's a catered affair. You know, it's an affair. No, it's adultery. Can I get an amen to that? It's fornication. It's sinful. You're not sleeping with somebody. You're, being, you're fornicating. Can I get an amen? But what happens is we, we make sin less, so it's not so offensive, but it's so offensive that Jesus had to die on the cross. And we must never take away what sin is. That's why some people think they're good. By the way, if you came here tonight thinking you're good, you're wrong. There's none righteous, no, not one, and you're part of none. Can I get an Amen. There's no one who's righteous. We're all sinners in desperate need of a savior. And sadly, we see what happens again is each king is looking at the other king, seeing what they did, and they're being desensitized to the sinful behavior. They're being desensitized to idolatry. And before you know it, they're getting further and further away from God. Verse three says, surely I will take away the posterity of Bashah and the prosperity of the posterity of his house. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Basha and dies in the city, and the birds in the air shall eat whoever dies in the fields. Just like the house of Jeroboam that got wiped off the face of the earth as God had said it would, I would think that since Basha had, again, a hand in that prophecy, that he would be more sensitive, that he have a little more fear in his heart. He saw God bring judgment against the king before him. And now he sits back thinking the judgment will never come upon him. You know, it's amazing to me. I've dealt with a lot with addiction. We had some struggles in my own family. And when I would go and speak to people struggling with addiction, everybody thinks they're the one that will never overdose. Oh, I know what I'm doing. I'll never overdose. Said everybody who overdosed. Amen. It's rampant. By the way, you know, it's up like 300% during COVID. Depression's up 250%. You know, everything's up, up, up. Why? Because there's no fellowship. There's no, there's no ability to commune with other people. People are locked in their houses. This is why we need to make sure we have church. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you see in other people having gone before us who are involved in certain sins. And again, we just, we may think, well, it's not that big a deal. They did it. Your example is not the person in front of you. Your example is not the pastor. Your example is not anybody else. Your example is Jesus Christ, and you follow his example, amen? And we should hate sin. We should hate it. And until we hate it in our own lives, we'll continue in it. And I want, I want you to notice, he, he doesn't, he tells you how much he hates sin. Then he says, the dogs will eat whoever belongs to Bashah. Bashah's family is going to die in the street. 
And when they died, you got to understand the way that the Jews dealt with death. You were buried immediately. You had to be buried immediately. That's how they dealt with it. They didn't embalm people. They put them in, the, in a tomb or they put them in the ground. It was immediate. And so if your body lay in the street or your body lay out in the field and it was just left there to rot, that would tell you that nobody cares about you. Nobody wants anything to do with you. And they look at even getting near you as defiling themselves. And so what happens is that this man who is the king is being told it's going to be very soon that everyone who's related to you will die in the streets. Nobody will care about you and you will be insignificant. See, this is what happens when we pursue power, when we pursue the the praises of the world. Guys, it's all passing away. Amen? We're all going to, one out of every one person dies. Results are in. Amen? Amen? We're all going to die. And, and the reality is that the things that we thought were so important and the praise of men that we sought after here is all going to pass away. Bashar's problem was he brought judgment against Jeroboam's family, but then he followed in his footsteps. Be careful who you follow. Amen. The dogs shall eat. The same judgment was promised and utilized against the house of Jeroboam. And again, it would be considered a special disgrace to have your corpse desecrated and kept from proper burial. If somebody you love died and their body was laying in the street, would you leave it there? Or would you stop everything you're doing? Even though we know that absent from the body and present with the Lord, it's still a respect and an honor if we have for the person that once was in that tent. Can I get an amen? That we would go and take care of it. We would, we would, you know, bury it properly. We would do that. Why? Because of our love for that person. So if somebody's left in the street, it tells you that there's nobody left that cares about them. Verses five through seven. Now the rest of the acts of Bashan, what he did in his might, are, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Bashan rested with his fathers and was buried in Tirzah. Now remember Tirzah had become the capital of Israel in the north. Jer- Jerusalem's the capital in the south. Tirzah is the capital in the north. Then Elah, his son, raised in his place. Now, the good news is we saw that Asa was the son of an evil king. And literally he became king. He was a young man when he became king and he tore down all the idols and he didn't have to follow in his father's footsteps. And he went back to worshiping the true and living God. And he set grandma's God on fire and he kicked her out of office and he did what was necessary. So every time there's a new king, there's a hope that maybe this king will be godly. Maybe this king will turn everybody back to the Lord. And that was the hope. But sadly, we're going to find out that he's going to be just like his father, if not even more evil. God repeats himself several times. Let's look here. Let's finish up these, this verse here. It says there, and Elah, and Elah, his son, reigned in his place. And also the word of the Lord came by the prophet Jehu, the son of Ananiah, against Bashah and his house. Because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger with the work of his hands and being like the house of Jeroboam because he killed them. Notice he mentions here at least twice. You can even see three inferences in these short verses that God is going to bring judgment upon them because of the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord. God repeats himself when he wants us to pay attention. Amen. And he says it to him again and again, because of your evil, God is angry and God is going to bring righteous judgment. And again, we need to get to the place where we recognize just how much God hates evil and we should hate it ourselves. 
how it provoked him to anger and idolatry. I was trying to think of the best way to describe that. Idolatry, here's what it is. How are we referred to by God, both in the Old and New Testament? We're called the children of God. Amen. If somebody took your child, kidnapped them, and drugged them away to something that was going to kill them, how would you be feeling? We see a whole other side of every mom in this room. Can I get an amen to that? Every dad in this room. We'd be knuckling up in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? We would do whatever is necessary. We would not sleep until they were found. We would do everything we could. Well, this is how God feels when somebody comes along and goes after his children and tries to draw them away to something that will destroy them. Amen? He's provoked to anger because he loves us. He's provoked to anger because he doesn't want to see his children drug away to something that will destroy them, that will separate him from him. There was a time when, you know, my boys were struggling with, with drug addictions and there was a drug dealer that came by the side of our house and, and uh, I went out there and basically got in his car, took his keys out and called 911. And I'm like, bro, you can wait here with your car and get arrested. You can leave one or the other. But my, you son. And by the way, I know your name. I know where you live. I'm going to find you. You bring drugs around my son again. We're going to have a problem in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? But the reality is why? Because I care about my kids. Can I get an amen? And when someone comes to destroy and harm your family, how do you respond? And this is exactly how God feels when somebody comes along. People will struggle when I say something bad about the, the cults. Well, they're such nice people. No, they're tools of the devil. Amen? Pastor Dave, that's not very nice. Do we love the Mormons? What's the answer? We love them. Are they teaching a doctrine of the devil? What's the answer? They are. Why? Because they deny. They believe they can be God of their own planet. They believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers and they're knocking on your door looking really spiffy and trying to earn heaven. And I want to pray for them and I want to see them saved. But guess what? That's a doctrine of the devil. Amen? And God hates it. Whenever they come in my neighborhood, I follow them. I go, these guys are teaching to fall, and they leave. Leave my neighbors alone. Can I get an amen to that? Why? We got to stand for the truth. And the reality is that it provokes him to anger. He's provoked by evil, especially those who seek to draw his children away. God does not take sin lightly, and he does not take, again, the attack on his children lightly. Notice it says, because he killed them. It says back in, in 1 Kings, God said earlier, God said he lifted Bosch out of the dust. So he, God used him, but at the same time, he was in rebellion against God when he did what he did. So we see here, because of the evil he did in the house of the Lord, and we see the end of the reign of Bashab. Point number two, be careful whose example you follow. He chose to follow the example of the kings that went before him, and he was more evil than even those kings. Secondly, be not drunk with wine. Look what it says. In the 26th year of Asa. So whenever they're talking about the kings in the north, they always tell you who's reigning in the south and how long they've been there. So in a, in literally in three years, there's going to be four kings in Judah and uh, Israel and the same king, Asa, the godly king. So they had 40 years of, of idols being torn down and 40 years of the true gospel being preached in Judah. And they went through six or seven kings in the north, all more evil than the, the next one. Guys, it's so important that we have godly leaders. Amen. So it says there, 
In the 26 years of Asa, the king of Judah, Elah, the son of Basha, became king over Israel and reigned how long? Two years. Two years. These reigns are going to get shorter and shorter. Here's why. When you're evil in the eyes of the Lord, you don't, you're not going to reign for long. Amen? God's judgment. God is a righteous judge. It says, now his servant Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him as he was in Tirzah, drinking himself drunk. You got to love the Bible. Is there any question what this dude's doing? He's up in the Capitol building getting lit. He's laying around drinking alcohol and getting drunk when he's supposed to be. Now remember, he's the king of Israel, God's chosen people, the ones that God delivered out of bondage in Egypt, the one that God for 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness fed them from, with manna from the sky and they, they grew what their clothes never wore out. The one that brought them into the land of promise and gave them victory over the giants in the land. The one who parted the Red Sea, parted the Jordan Sea. The one who gave them victory over the Canaanites and all their enemies. And now the guy who's their king is sitting in the palace getting drunk. Lord, help. It doesn't take long for God's people to get their eyes off of him if they're not careful. So Zimri's the commander of half his army. So he's, you know, they have two commanders and he's one of them. So he's in a position of power and authority and he sees a drunken king as an opportunity. This guy's laying around getting lit. He's a drunkard. He's not doing his job. And here's an opportunity. He's a drunkard and an idolater, not exactly the type of man that should rule over anyone. By the way, if you go on a job interview, I would suggest you don't put those two things down on your resume. I'm a drunkard and an idolater. You want to hire me? Well, he got hired to be, he was the man who was the king over Israel. Boy, God is gracious, isn't he? God's gracious, but he's also righteous. This says there in verse 10, and Zimri went in and struck him and killed him well, it says he's self-drunk in the house of Arza, steward of his house. And Zimri went in and struck him and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. Now, Zimri sees an opportunity. By the way, you know what you're not going to see anywhere in this entire chapter? Anybody praying. Nobody's praying. Nobody seeks the Lord. You got a bunch of worldly people who are all after power, who all want, they want the, what they want, who don't even think of Israel as being honoring to the Lord at all, and they're just seeking a position and power and authority, and that's it. And it's so tragic. And you know what the sad part is? Some of our lives can get like this. How's, how's your prayer life been the last week? How many times have you prayed with your spouse in the last week? How much time have you spent devotions this week? How much time have you spent? If you need ice, we got it. <laughs> But the sad part is that you got this drunken king and now you got another guy who just wants a position of power. By the way, he's nowhere in any of the lines that God said, you know, would, would uh, reign. He's just some guy who decides he wants to be the king. While motivated by his own fleshly desires, again, he's ultimately going to fulfill God's prophecy concerning the house of Bashar. Remember it said the house of Bashar that they would die in the street? Remember it said they would be wiped out? Well, guess what? That's exactly what's starting to happen. Notice it says the rest of that. Then it came to pass, verse 11, when he began to reign, as soon as he was seated in the house, he killed all the household of Bashar. How did we know that was going to happen? Because the word of God said so. Amen? Isn't it good to know that whatever the Bible says is true? Amen? 
And I'm glad that the promises we have are not like these ones. Can I get an amen? Your old house is going to die. All your people are going to be laying in the street and the dogs are going to eat them. I'm glad that's not what we're getting. Can I get an amen to that? But when, we, when the word of God is true, even in the difficult things, we know it's true in everything. He said he did not leave one male, neither of his relatives nor of his friends. Zimri killed everyone related to Bashah, and then he killed all of his friends. Now, remember, if you guys were here, we were going through Leviticus and, and some of the other places, Numbers, and we talked about, you know, their cities of refuge. And what would happen is if, if somebody died and there was a question as to whether or not you were at fault, you could run there and be safe. But if you did not run to the city of refuge, every family had a Goel or kinsman redeemer. And you had someone who would go and literally kill the person who killed their relative. And so Bashah wants to, or, he, or excuse me, Zimri wants to make sure all of Bashah's people are dead so that no one will come after him. Because, you know, sometimes people kill kings like he just did. Can I get amen? So he had just killed a king. He was afraid now that I'm the king, they're going to want to kill me. So I'm going to kill anybody that might think about killing me. What a wonderful, godly environment. <laughs> amen? Let's just kill everybody in the street that looks at us sideways. It's tragic. And he killed all their friends which we don't see anywhere else in scripture. So tragic. So Zimri is hungry for power. While motivated by his own fleshly desires, he fulfills God's prophecy concerning the household of Bashah. God said they would all be wiped out, and now they've all been wiped out. Then it says there in verse 12, Thus Zimri destroyed all the household of Bashah, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke against Bashah by Jehu the prophet. So in the beginning of the chapter, he said, Your entire family is going to be wiped out. Doesn't take very many verses or very much time, and it's already happened. But why did he wipe them out? For all the sins of Bashah and the sins of Elah his son, by which they have sinned, by which they had made Israel sin, and provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. When you see idols throughout much of these chapters right now, every time you see idol, you see that God is angry. And guys, we have idols. Anything is an idol that we make more important than God. Anything that's more important than God is an idol. Amen? We should be the best workers in the building, but your job better not be more important than God. Amen? I love my wife of 36 years so much it hurts, but she's not more important than God in my life. But it makes me a better worker and a better husband, a better pastor, a better man. Can I get an amen? When God is the priority and the passion of your life, it makes you better at everything else that you do. I'm glad, that my, I'm glad my wife loves God more than she loves me. I'm glad she loves the Lord more than she loves me. Because that makes, praise God, that's, what, what, that, that's the best marriage possible. My parents ring, it says on the inside, of they're married for 61 years, each for the other, both for God. And if we have that focus on the Lord and the things of the Lord. And, and so we see here that God is true to his word, but he's, he is a jealous God. When you have idols and things in your life that you make more important to him, don't be surprised when they go away. Amen? The things that you prioritize in your life and make more important than him, he loves us enough to remove them if necessary. Provoking God to anger is not good. You don't want to do that. And then it says, Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? When we get to Chronicles, you're going to see much more detail. Because the, the chronicles really do coincide with the same things happening here, but they're written with more detail. And we'll get more detail on each of these kings. So God brings righteous judgment against those 
who would lead his children into idolatry. So number two, do not be drunk with wine. This guy was so drunk, he probably didn't even know he got killed. You know what I mean? He's just lit. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's laying around. And, you know, hey, I got, I got the world by the tail. I got my own palace. I'm the king. I don't have to do anything. Here's the reality. You know what? We're children of the king, and we ought to be doing more for the kingdom of God, not less. Amen. We should have a passion to do more for the Lord. He didn't save us so we could be pew potatoes. Amen. He didn't save us so we could be the biggest, fattest, best fed sheep. Just getting fatter and fatter. The dead sea is dead because it's all inlet and no outlet. We don't want to be dead Christians where all we do is feed and never go out and use the gifts God's given us and minister to others. Amen. You know who grows the most? The people that serve the most. That's not me just trying to draft people. It's just not. Because I want to tell you, well, I, was, I had a, a conference call with, my, with the VP of uh, HR at my company because every once in a while someone will say, well, he's a pastor and we're not supposed to have two jobs and work for my company. They get concerned about that. So I had got called into the principal's office Monday morning at 10 and had to explain to them what else I, what my other job is and does it impact the job I have now with the company. And by the grace of God, the first thing I said was, I said, well, first of all, so let me ask you a question. So I teach the Bible on Thursday nights and Sundays and I minister to people. So it would be okay if I was going to strip clubs on Sundays and getting drunk and chasing women I'm not married to. Would that be okay? Would that be all right? But teaching the Bible's not? Well, they don't want to say that, right? And then I asked them, I said, well, I've been with the company 33 years and by the grace of God, I've been on... 29 sales awards trips. I think God's blessing me at work. What do you think? Well, yeah, that's probably true. Well, what hours, what hours do you serve? I said, well, first of all, I serve the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you guys are on God's time when I'm at work, just so you know. <laughs> that's not going to change. But the reality is that, you know, God needs to be the priority and passion of our life all the time. Amen. And we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and we should be unashamed of the gospel. And if they had fired me, okay, because God provides. Can I get an amen? So guys, we cannot allow the world to tell us who we serve and how we serve and when we serve. We need to be faithful to God. Pray for divine appointments every day. God is a faithful God, amen? amen. By the way, I still have a job, so <laughs> God's in control. Your flesh will never be satisfied. Look at verse 15. In, 27, in the 27th year, boy, they're moving like snails. I mean, what I mean by that is, Boy, another year of Asa and another king comes along. And watch this one. This is even better. Watch this. In the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri had reigned in Tirzah. How long? Seven days. King for a week. King for a week. Look what it says. Unbelievable. And the people who are encamped in Gibeathon, which belonged to the Philistines. So here's what happens. They're fighting a battle to retake the land that the Philistines had taken. While that's happening, Zimri's down here and he kills the king who's getting lit in the capital and is not out fighting like a king should be. Amen. He's not leading his army. King David led his army and the only time he didn't, he fell in with Bathsheba. So that's a lesson for us to learn. We don't sit on the sidelines. I don't believe that Christians retired from being a Christian. Can I get an amen to that? But here's the reality. So here's what happens. They're up there fighting this battle. Zimri goes in and he kills the king while most of the army is away fighting a battle. And the word's going to come to them. Look at it says, now the people who were encamped heard it and said, Zimri has conspired and also killed the king. So all Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. 
So Zimri makes himself king, and the people go, yeah, not so much. Dude, you're not king. Matter of fact, we're fighting a battle, and you're not here. And who, who told you you could be the king? Because here's the thing. You don't proclaim yourself to be something God does. Can I get an amen? And Asa, the godly king over Judah, who removed all the idols and worshiped the Lord, reigned for 40 years. And these idolaters in Israel, it's been three years because Basha died. And then Elah was king for two years. And Zimri is going to be king for seven days. So in two years and eight days, there's been four kings. And down where God's being honored, the king is there for 40 years. You know, when we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. Amen. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to all people. We're called to be salt and light to our cities, our state, and our nation, to proclaim the gospel, to live holy and set apart lives. Any nation where each generation becomes more and more evil, as the generations become further away from the Lord, the nation is headed for destruction. We start denying God, the nation's headed for destruction. I know you guys have heard this, that many years ago, somebody came to the United States from, from Europe to find out why God was blessing America. I read recently of the, of the 100 greatest inventions of the last 100 years, 97 of them came out of the United States. That's the blessing of God. Can I get an amen to that? From the automobile, electricity, trains, just go down the list flight, airplanes, all of that came from here. Now, why did, why was, were we so, was it because we're so smart? No, because at the time we so much feared God. Can I get an amen? And God blessed us as we honored him. And this man went, he said he went to the city square to see, but he didn't find the greatness there. And he went, you know, he went to the schools and the colleges and he didn't find it there. And he went and visited individual homes. He didn't necessarily find it there. And then he went and visited churches. And he said, I found why America is so great because America loves God. And when America ceases to love God, America will cease to be great. And that's exactly what's happened. We're getting further and further away from the Lord. We need to pray for revival. Amen. But any nation where each generation becomes more and more evil, we're headed to destruction. Once God's righteousness is removed from the nation, we can't even imagine the depths of evil that will become the norm in the nation. We're seeing it already. Already, Killing babies. We're desensitized to it. We kill babies by the millions every single year. And we call it choice. It's not choice, it's a child. Amen? If a woman has an abortion, she doesn't just, she's not uh, leaving without a child. She's leaving the mother of a dead child. Amen. Now, if you've had an abortion in the past, our God's a God of love and grace and mercy, and he will forgive you. Amen. But the point I'm making is that we kill babies by the millions. Uh, sexual perversion is rampant in our country. I sell advertising for a living. I know, what the, you know we, we're the number one reseller of Google AdWords. You know that of, of the 10 most frequented sites on Google, eight of them are porn sites? Pornography runs the day. I would love it if the internet exploded tomorrow. I'd be all for it. Can I get an amen to that? And you know what it does? You've got access to everything right here. This phone right here has more power than the greatest computer on the planet had in 1968. That's amazing, isn't it? So this right here has access to everything. And in some ways, that's great because you can look up Bible verses, right? You can go in here and listen to messages. But the sad part too is you got right here is the doorway to everything that's evil on this planet. Be careful when you give your kids one of these. Can I get an amen? Amen, Pastor Joshua? Amen. This is, this is no bueno. 
digital, digital crack right here. And, and the truth is that we need to be careful. And the truth is that right now, uh, pornography is rampant amongst the church. And it's rampant because the same people who would never walk into a strip club because they'd have to walk into a strip club and be seen by people, stuff's right there on their phone when they're sitting alone in their car or when, wherever they might be. And you know what? The access to ungodliness brings about more ungodliness, unfortunately. Amen? And that's why we need to, we need to be people who know, you know, walk with the Lord and spend time in his word. Because you know what will keep you from sin? This book right here. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Amen. Amen? And we need to read the word of God and be in it daily. God's name is more cursed than worshiped in our country. I'm fully convinced of that. His name is taken in vain. No one says, swear to Buddha, not once, never heard it in my life. Hari Krishna, not one time. It's always Jesus Christ, right? And it's, you know, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Try it after no graven images, right? No, you know, and, and we live in a world today that God's name is cursed. The biblical truths of creation attacked by the world and denied. Can I get an amen to that? Evolution's a lie from the devil. It did not go from the goo to the zoo to you, no matter what anybody tells you. Can I get an amen to that? Did not. Lightning did not hit a puddle. And it always cracks me up. We have science on our side. I don't know what science you've got. The same, same scientists that believe the world was flat. Can I get an amen? And guess what? If you read the Bible, it says that God looks down upon the circumference of the earth. So the Bible told us the world was round long before the, the scientists figured it out. Amen? The Bible's true. Scientists change their mind all the time. And we're not, you know, people say, well, I'm a scientist. Like I'm wearing a disagreement with them. I said, well, I disagree with some of your theories, but my God is omniscience. Can I get an amen? And science just means knowledge. And our God knows everything. Amen? And we don't check our brains at the door. We don't believe in spite of the evidence that would be superstition. I love to talk to science. I love to talk to evolutionists. The second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, the law of biogenesis, all three of those wipe out evolution and we're teaching it to our kids. And the only reason they believe it, because if they believed in creation, they'd have to be accountable to the creator. If they could believe in creation and live their sinful lives and not be accountable, they'd have no problem with it. Marriage, God created it. One man, one woman for a lifetime. God said so, that's it. And it is a religious institution, not a governmental one, and God defines it. Can I get an amen? amen. Thirdly, genders. Here's the quiz. How many? Yeah. <laughs> There's two. Amen. amen. It's a, he'll find out when he's 18. No, it's a boy. Yeah. It's a fluid thing. I don't know what it's going to be. And right now we're being attacked. If we make, if we make a simple statement that God made us male and female, you know what it is? It's cursing and mocking God when we make any decisions outside of that. It's perversion. It's wrong. It's sinful. Can I get an amen? Lord, help us. Be kind, be loving, be gracious. Right and wrong are all under attack. And we need to stand for what's right. Don't be an arrogant jerk. Don't be self-righteous. I had a coworker, I've told you this, who went around every, every cubicle in her office and was, ah, you got to burn, ah, you know, yelling at people. He's like, I'm being persecuted. I said, no, you're just being a jerk, dude. Just stop it. Do the, it's truth and love, amen? Love people enough to say, no, bro, there's not 37 genders. I, we just figured that out after, you know, 7,000 years, 6,000 plus years on this planet. It's been billions. Then you should really know, right, when you talk to them. But it's sad, and it's sad because we've gotten away from the truth of God's word. It's just so tragic. So the further and further away we get, the worse and worse things become, unfortunately. And notice it says there 
They're going after the Philistines. And Zimri, they, they said, we're not going to make him king. Then Omri, verse 17, and all Israel with him went down to Gibbethon and they besieged Tirzah. Because who's in Tirzah now? It's King Zimri because he killed King Elah, who was drinking and hanging out in the palace in Tirzah. And so he killed the king, killed all his family, killed all his friends, and now he's in the palace. And so when they hear that he did this, the army comes back and Zimri is sitting in the palace. And it says, verse 18, and it happened when Zimri saw the city was taken, they went into the citadel, the king's house, and burned the king's house down upon himself with fire and died. In seven days, he went from killing everybody and making himself king to committing suicide. And why did he commit suicide? Because all he cared about was power. He was only thinking of himself and noticed basically what he said is, if I'm not going to be the king in this palace, then nobody's going to be. And he burnt the palace to the ground, even if it meant killing himself. Anybody praying in here anywhere? Anybody talking about the Lord in here? Anybody seeking godly counsel? Anybody seeking wisdom from the prophets? Anybody? No, they're just living according to the flesh. If I can't rule this house, nobody's going to. And again, the ultimate picture of self-centeredness and ungodliness. It says, because the sins which he had committed in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, in his sin which he had committed to make Israel sin. Our sin impacts other people. If you're in positions of leadership and you get involved in sin, whether it's a, being a parent, an employer, uh, somebody discipling others, when you sin, other people see that behavior and they too can follow you into it. Now, the rest of the acts of Zimri and the treason he committed, are they not written in the book of Chronicles? of the kings of Israel. We see how God feels about it. It says him killing Elah, even though Elah was a drunkard, God's word calls him, what does it say there in verse 20? Yeah, that he committed treason. So just because somebody's outside of God's will, you let God be the judge of that. Amen? Amen. And one of the things that Christians are known for is that we're self-righteous and judgmental, and we can be sometimes. Amen? And they'll say, oh, you, all you Christians, all I know is what you're against. And again, we make a stand for what is right, but we need to do it in love. Amen? We need to love people. They need to know that we love them. At the same time, we need to love them enough to tell them the truth. So we see here that your flesh will never be satisfied. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but at the end, it leads to death. And in Zimri's case, it was seven days. Guys, even if it's 70 years, it's not worth it. Amen? His life is but a vapor when compared to eternity. Point number four, God doesn't care about how much you accomplish in the eyes of the world, but how faithful you are to him and his calling place upon your life. Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath, to make him king, and half followed Omri. Why are they fighting over who should be king? Because nobody's asked the Lord. Amen. They just said, well, let's get on our knees and let's go worship God and let's cry out to him and ask him who the king should be. No, what do they do instead? They pick two people and they start fighting with each other to determine who the king should be. That should be an example for all of us as Christians, amen? We can win the battle and lose the war sometimes. And we need to be, we need to be more concerned about people's salvation than who they vote for. Can I get an amen to that? I want to see people saved. 
Hey, look, I vote pro-life, I vote pro-Israel, I vote for all those things, but my hope is in Jesus Christ, and no matter who's in the White House, God's still on the throne. There's no peace in the life of a person who walks in open rebellion against God, and we see that already they're battling with each other. It says, but the people who followed Omri prevailed over the people who followed Timni and the the son of Ganath, so so Timni died and Omni reigned. Now again, uh, Omri, excuse me. Now it's interesting. So Omri's going to be the new king. I wonder how long he's going to last. We're just blowing through him here. And notice what it says about him. In the thir- in the thirty first year of Asa, the king of Judah, Omri became king over Israel and reigned twelve years. That's a long time, but nothing compared to the time of Asa. Six years he reigned in Tirzah, and he bought the hill of Samaria from Shamir for two talents of silver. Then he built on the hill and called the name of the city, which he had built Samaria, where the good Samaritan will come from in the New Testament, after the name of Shamir, the owner of the hill. So here's one of the things he does. And it actually makes some sense. He goes and builds a new capital and he builds it in a neutral place where no tribe can make claim to it. And he's doing it again, maybe in his mind to draw the people together. And it's also up on a hill, so it's a strong defensive position. So this right here, that's fine, unless you read the next verse. <laughs> See, uh, he, you know, he, he does something to bring the people together. That sounds good. And he, you know, he builds it in a defensive place where they can defend themselves from their enemies. Verse 25. Verse 24, excuse, uh, verse 25. Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did worse than all who went before him. And the, and, and the land of who's the most evil, Omri is now in the lead. He's now the most evil king that's ever existed in Israel. Guess what? There's worse coming. There's worse coming. It says, for he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. So that means he was an idol, idol worshiper. It says there, and in his sin, which by he made Israel sin. So not only he sinned, but he caused Israel to sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Here's the thing. God is angry when someone takes his people and gets them to turn their eyes off of him and follow after other gods. And that's why God is angry when people knock on your door and want you to follow other gods. That's why God is angry when we make anything else in our life more important than him. Amen. He loves you. He desires that intimate fellowship with you. It not only breaks his heart, but it provokes him to anger. Now, the rest of the acts of Omri, which he did, and the might that he showed, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Now, when we get to Chronicles, Omri's barely mentioned here. And here's why. Because God doesn't care what you do from the world's perspective. He's not really all that impressed. He doesn't matter how many people praise you. He doesn't care what they have to say about you. What he cares about is how you, how you are with him. Amen? Omri was the worst king yet. He worshiped the false gods. Remember, part of their worship was sacrificing babies. They would take babies and they would put them in the the red hot hands of their false gods of fertility and watch them burn to death. They not only did they burn babies, they had temple prostitutes. You get a lot of guys showing up for church, you got temple prostitutes. So they would show up and they would say that the sexual act was an act of worship. They had homosexuality rampant in the act of worship. This is not worship unto the Lord. It's all part of pagan idolatry. Omri's fame as a monarch 
when you, when you read even secular history, it, it says that he was wildly recognized um, that he discovered when things that were discovered that it refers to him as the conqueror of Moab. The Assyrian inscriptions make mention of him as a great warrior. For, for years, the Assyrians referred to Israel as the house of Omri. So he was a guy that for 12 years was famous in the world's eyes. God didn't think so much of him. Amen? What does it say? Did evil in the sides of the Lord. He provoked God to wrath. He provoked God to anger. God's not going to write in here, oh yeah, he was a great warrior. God doesn't care about that. God's not impressed by that. That's why the fourth one, I said, God doesn't care about how much you accomplish in the eyes of the world, but how faithful you are in the eyes of the Lord. We look up to people that create great wealth. We look up to people that can hit a ball with a stick over a fence. We look up to people that accomplish things from the world's perspective. And as much as I, lo I love sports and other things as well, but I'm getting kind of sick of it because I'm tired of hearing about everything, you know, God being blasphemed by everybody that's involved in sports. I'm kind of almost done. Kind of getting amen to that. And, and the whole point is, again, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. When we stand before God on judgment day, he's not going to ask you how much you bench pressed, amen? How much money you made, how big your house was, how great of an investor you were in the stock market, how many lawns you mowed, bro? Amen. <laughs> how many ads I sold? You know, how much, how many facials you did or whatever, right? And those are all fine. We can do those unto the Lord, right? Amen. But who we are in God's eyes is we're his children. And he's adopted us into his family and he's given us spiritual gifts. And, you know, and the, and the great thing about it is when I sell advertising, I tell people about Jesus. You know, if you're doing a facial, you got a captive audience. Where are you going? You can talk to them about Jesus. <laughs> You know, when you're, when you're involved in whatever industry you're in, there's opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Amen. And you know, the most successful days is when we get to share our faith. God doesn't care about how much someone accomplishes in the world, but how faithful we are to him and his calling on our lives. Omri is the worst king up to this point. And we got one last one. You might've heard of this guy. You might've heard of this guy. And watch, it says, so now the rest of Acts of Omri... And did which are showed are not written in the book of Chronicles, the kings of Israel. So Omri rested with his fathers, was buried in Samaria. Then Ahab, his son, reigned in his place. Ahab. Ahab is going to take evil to a whole nother level. Ahab is going to take evil to a, uh, from an eternal perspective that he's one of the most evil men who ever lived. And guess what? A lot of it has to do with the woman he chose to be his wife. Can I get an amen to that? Notice what it says there. Last point. Evil behavior left unchecked only grows worse over time. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. Here's another king. Well, Asa's still king. I think it's six or seven. Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Now, Ahab, the son of Omri. So Omri is the most ungodly evil man ever. And then his son watches the way his dad lives and he out evils his dad. And this is why it's so important that we set a godly example for our kids. Amen. You know, my dad used to tell me all the time. Matter of fact, I found some, I was going through my safe. I bought a new safe. I'm taking stuff out of my old safe, put it in my new safe. And it's amazing what I have in my safe because most of it's probably worth a dollar. <laughs> but it's stuff that's precious to me. Letters from my daughter, letters from my kids. 
And there's a letter in there for my dad. I was teaching at Calvary San Jose, where I'd been an uh, assistant pastor for about six years. It's a very large church. The sanctuary seats about 3,000. A bunch of people got saved that day. But during that message, God put on my heart, you're done here. It's time to go plant a church. And on that day, my brother and his wife came forward to get saved. And I didn't even know they were there. I go out into the lobby. My dad's sitting in the lobby with tears running down his face. We talk about my brother. And then he hands me a note. I just saw it again today for the first time in probably 15 years. And it basically said, son, during the message today, God told me you're done here. And I know that you're going to go, God wants you to go plant a church. And if it's okay with you, your mom and I want to come and I want to be your assistant pastor. So my dad, who'd been one of the best Bible teachers I've ever heard, been pastoring churches for 50 years, went with me and was making coffee and setting up chairs as we planted the church in Santa Cruz. And you know what he'd always tell me? He said, son, I just want you to love Jesus more than I do. I just want you to do more for the kingdom of God than I do. Isn't that what we want for our kids? Isn't that what we want for the generation behind us? And too often we spend so much time worrying. We we worry about their education so they can get a good job. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but make sure that when people ask me as a youth pastor, where should I go to college? I'd say, Bob, Calvary Chapel Bible College. And they go, well, I want, to be a, I want to be a doctor. Then be a godly one. Go spend two years there first and then go do the rest of it. Can I get an amen? I want to be a police officer. Be a godly police officer. Go to the Bible college. We don't even ask Pastor Dave anymore. He says, go to Bible. Because two years hanging out with the Lord is worth it. Can I get an amen to that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We need kids who love God more than they love anything else. Amen. Ahab's name means his father's brother, which means he's just like his dad. He's just like his dad. His dad was an evil man, and he's going to be the most evil yet. He's going to be a political and economic success and a spiritual disaster, worshiping golden calves, worshiping Baal and Asheroth, sexual immorality, sacrificing babies. Look at verse 31. And it says, and it came to pass, so Ahab, the son of Almary, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than any all that were before him. And it came to pass as though it would, had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Yabat, that he took as a wife. What's her name? Jezebel. Jezebel. Well, I heard of Jezebel, right? You know anybody named Jezebel today? Got any friends named Jezebel? Anybody got a friend named Jezebel? Uh, no. You know why? Because she's so stinking evil, it broke the name. Can I get an amen? <laughs> anybody know anybody named Judas? So evil broke the name. Can I get an amen? Got any friends, Mr. and Mrs. Hitler? I don't think so. (laughs) Broke the name. You're evil when nobody, we're talking 4,000 years later, nobody's using that name. And when they use the name now, it's, it's to put somebody down. You're a Jezebel. They say that like you're a prostitute or you're a loose woman or you're evil. She's a Jezebel. She's a curse word. She's so evil, she became a curse word. Amen? And that's who he chose to marry. By the way, you want to marry somebody who loves God more than they love you? Can I get an amen? You want to marry somebody? Don't just marry the guy who's said he's a Christian and has a heartbeat. Can I get an amen to that? He says he loves Jesus and he's got a pulse. Let's do it, you know? And we fall into the trap we fall into the trap of dumbing it down. And, and, and I always know when somebody wants to introduce their fiance to me or their, their person they're dating, and they have to like give a bunch of credits. You know, here's, here's the girl I'm dating. Let me tell you all about her. Well, here, I'm like, bro, if she loves Jesus, you can just let her meet me. It won't be a problem. You don't have to sell her. Can I get an amen? You don't have to sell him. You know, well, well, you know, he grew up in a Christian home, but he kind of wandered away. But then, you know, and then he walked down and prayed a prayer when he was nine. And so... Yeah. <laughs> 
And he's Rico Suave and got a good job. So I'm thinking he's the guy. Don't settle for less than God's highest. Amen. Next to giving your life to Jesus Christ, the most important decision you will ever make is who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Amen. And Ahab picked Jezebel. That says a lot about him. Amen. The daughter of Ethbaal. That's Baal. Her dad's name was a name that meant to worship Baal. And so what's going to happen is watch what happens as we finish up here. And it says, the king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshiped him. Now, there were idols prior to this, but there was also the option or the opportunity to worship Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What Jezebel is going to do is she's going to come in and try to make Baal the only God they worship. And she's going to begin to attack the prophets and the priests of the true and living God and try to eliminate them all and make everybody worship Baal. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. Amen. Elijah is coming. Can I get an amen? Love me some Elijah. Amen. <laughs> Got to come next Thursday because he's in chapter 17. We're going to get some Elijah. But you know what happens is that's what happens when you get a, a tyrannical government and you get people saying, this is who you have to worship and this is how you worship and this is when you can worship and this is where you can worship. And guess what? We obey the laws of the land until they tell us to disobey the word of God and we obey God rather than man every single time. And that's why we're having church. Amen. God's in control. God is faithful. And by the way, if I get COVID and die, heaven's better anyway. Can I get an amen to that? Can't threaten me with heaven. Now notice what it says there. So he's worshiping Baal. The king of Israel, the king of the children of God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the king of the true and living God is worshiping Baal of God's people. And then it says, and Ahab made a wooden image. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all of the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel the Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segeb. He set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. So not only is he worshiping false gods, but on his clock... They had been told if anybody tried to rebuild Jericho, that they would lay the gates and lay the foundations with their children. It was prophesied back in Joshua. And they were told if you try to rebuild it, God brought the, the walls down, amen? And they were told if you try to rebuild it, you'll lay the foundation with your children. Your children will die in the process. Now, it's sad that it's possible that some believe, because the, some of the things that the Canaanites and the Phoenicians would do, is that they would literally sacrifice their children when they built a building and they would put them in the foundation or put them in the gates. That could be the case. Or it could be that just in the process of building, they died. But in either case, nobody's reading the Bible. Nobody's in God's word and everything's a mess. Amen. You know what we need to do? We need to read the Bible more. For every hour you're on Netflix, spend two on God's word. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. The Bible says we're desire the word of God more than our necessary food. That means you should be opening your Bible more than you open the fridge. Can I get an amen to that? And I don't think any of us is that successful yet. <laughs> Can I get an amen? So adamant about the prominence of Baal worship 
She literally is going to seek to wipe out anybody who disagrees with the worship that's being set up by the king and the throne and the government, if you will. And you know what? We need to be careful. We need to make a stand for the Lord. It said in Joshua, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds the city of Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. You know why the country's so evil? No other gods before me, no graven image. And they're setting up a graven image, and they're putting false gods before him. They're told in the word of God not to rebuild Jericho, and they do it anyway. The, the children of Israel are told not to marry people from other nations that worship false idols. And he marries a woman from another nation that worships false idols. They completely disregard the word of God and it's going to be an absolute disaster. And the God's going to bring righteous judgment because praise God, there is going to be a prophet that though his life is under threat, is going to make a stand for God. And we're going to see in a few chapters, he's going to go in right in front of Jezebel and kick down all the idols. Praise God for Elijah. Can I get an amen? And we need those who love God enough. Don't be a jerk. Don't be arrogant. Don't be self-righteous, but love people enough to stand for the things of God when nobody else will. Amen. So pride goes before destruction. Where your treasures, there your heart will be also. Be careful whose example you choose to follow. Follow the example of someone who loves God more than you do. Can I get an amen? Follow the example of, of the word of God. When I grew up, a lot of my friends were right here in this book. I considered, you know, King David. I'm glad my parents named me David. I'd read about King David and David fought Goliath. And, you know, I love that. I raised my kids on the word of God. My heroes were not swinging bats. They were in God's word. Amen. Amen. Be not drunk with wine. Don't be, don't, don't waste away what God has called you to do. That's what I see there, right? He's called to be the king and he's just sitting around getting drunk. Sadly, there's too many Christians. We've got a calling on our lives and we're just kind of on cruise control. And we're not serving the Lord. Your flesh will never be satisfied. Know that sin's pleasurable for a season. We saw for Zimri in a week, and it ended in death. God doesn't care how much you accomplish in the eyes of the world. Omri is referred to as being this mighty man who did many great things, and God just speaks of him as being a man who was evil, and his son was more evil than him. And evil behavior left unchecked only grows worse over time. Look what's happened with each king year after year. They're getting more and more and more ungodly. Lord, help us. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you're not reading through the Bible in a year, grab one of those on the back. You can start now. You don't have to wait till January. Can I get an amen? amen? Just read the Bible through a year. Read through the word of God. Ask God to speak to you. Pray about, pray every day for divine appointments and watch what God does. Every day, say, Lord, give me an opportunity today to talk to somebody about you. Start praying for your neighbors and your unsafe friends and your unsafe family. Start praying for them by name and see what God will do. Amen. Pray about how God would have you use the gifts he's given you. Let's be unashamed of the gospel. Amen. I often think about the day I'll stand before the Lord. You guys ever think about that? We won't be there for the great white throne judgment because we're saved, but we will be there at the Bema seat judgment and we'll, we'll see that all the gifts he's given us and how faithful we were. And I know when I get there that day, there's going to be things I, I could have done and should have done, but I didn't do. Anybody besides me. But you know what? And I, I imagine being there and going, oh, Lord, I wish I had, but guess what? I still can. It's not too late now. Amen. It's not too late now. I kind of live my life looking backwards. I think about that day and I'm like, okay, Lord, let me not miss anything you want me to do. Let me not miss out. If there's somebody you want me to share my faith with, there's a gift you want me to use. If there's something you need me, if, Lord, help. I want to, I'm going to be a tool in the hand of the master. Just show me, Lord. Here I am. Send me. Amen. Lord, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. Amen. 
Lord, help us. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. And Lord, we don't want to provoke you to anger because we've put things in front of you. If we have, help us, Lord, to repent. Help us, Lord, to recognize, Lord, that we've allowed something or someone to become more important than you. Lord, I pray that we walk in the center of your will. We'd be unashamed of the gospel. Lord, and may we not be self-righteous. May we always be kind and loving and gracious because we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. But at the same time, may we speak up. May we not be ashamed of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here tonight. Lord, I pray your blessing upon their homes, their marriages, their families, their children. I pray for each one of us, everyone in the room, everyone watching on live stream, that Lord, you bring divine appointments tomorrow, even tonight. Give us an opportunity, Lord. Help us not to miss it. May we be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for revival in the Caneo Valley. We thank you, Lord, that you brought us here. You opened a door that no man could open. And Lord, we're here. We're just trying to obey you. So Lord, give us wisdom and direction as we seek what you have for us as a church and a fellowship and as individuals, Lord, as we walk with you. We continue to pray for Hillcrest Christian School. We thank you that they're open. We thank you that they're teaching God's word. We thank you that they're not teaching a bunch of lies. We, thank, we just pray you'd bless them. Can I get an amen? So Lord, be glorified in our lives. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said,